You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcasts, on Netroots Radio, or at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for March 11th, 2022. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Cornfield Resistance, where none of our election officials are currently under indictment. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Unlike Colorado. Yeah. 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 There's some well, big trouble out there. Speaking of uh, just in passing in Colorado, Colorado is the state of my birth, just so you know. Right. And the nice lady who gave birth to me in Colorado, who passed away a few years ago, my mom, today is her birthday. Today is her birthday. So I just wanted to say, in memory of Shirley, I'm yep. going to be having some coffee and doing, I'm doing some crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. I, might watch, I might watch some British comedies later there or some go. dramas. Mm-hmm. Brit- British mysteries would be good. Yes. Just. No Dancing with the Stars. Char- sorry, Shirley, we're not going to no. watch that. But. I don't think there's a happy birthday in heaven thing coming for me because I think she was a believer in reincarnation. So ah. happy birthday wherever you were reborn, Shirley. Wherever she is. Yeah. Yeah. And we loved her so much. She was, was so good to me. She really was. She was, yeah. And there's yeah. another birthday this weekend. Yes. Uh, John Amato mm-hmm. is celebrating a birthday. Now, this who's weekend. he again? What's, what, he what's his deal? He is the blog father of Crooks and Liars. Oh, that's right. He's the owner and operator of Crooks and Liars. That, right. Which, right. Which is a mighty he's fine. That, he's that man I'm on the phone with several times a morning. <laughs> that, or so you tell me. So you say. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to call you John Amato just for, <laughs> just for reasons. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a good guy. You know, he's, he's a good guy. Uh-huh. And happy birthday, John. Yeah. I'd also like to do a very brief shout out to Ellie Mustel, my TV husband. Yes. Not my real make... husband, but my TV husband. Right. I'm going to uh, keep my jealousy in check. Just <laughs> he's going to keep trying. his jealousy. He really has to this week because. I know. I know. Uh, Ellie Mustel was. On a, he's doing, you know, the whole book tour thing. And his book is in our bathroom right now. Right. It is, um, I started reading it really lively. It's as lively as he is and mm-hmm. a very enjoyable read. And uh, so he's doing the book tour thing. And he did a Zoom call with Joan Walsh for, on behalf of Harvard Bookstore as part right. of his book tour. And so I, got a ticket to join the Zoom, and I wasn't on camera or anything like that. They had people asking questions via chat, and then a moderator read the questions to Joan Walsh and Ellie Mistel. Uh-huh. And uh, when they got to my question, and this is on YouTube. You can go see it. Just look up Ellie Mistel, Joan Walsh, Harvard Bookstore. You'll find it. Um, at about the 38-something minute mark, there's a question from Francis Langham. That's me. And Ellie Mistel goes, oh, hi, Francis, <laughs> because he follows me on Twitter. I follow him. And, you know, there's not a lot of DM action going on there because he's busy and I'm busy. But mm-hmm. he acknowledged that he knows who I am, which was very exciting for me and a little That's bit nice. um, jealousy inspiring for Dirk Glass. And for but... some reason, he calls himself John Amato. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> Whenever he calls the house That's... several times a morning I... I don't... <laughs> in between his own kids who are young. Yeah. And all the video games they're playing. Well, yeah. Got to stay caught up, you know. Yeah. His six-year-old is angling for early access to electronics. It's very fun to watch the domestic drama going on at his house. Well, From our perspective of having the youngest be 18. Well, the future thing I will enjoy most is how much of a a lawyer, lawyer's kids tend to be at a very young age. Oh, yeah. How they learn to argue, yes, but father, isn't there a loophole that you mentioned? (laughs) At some point, did you remember? Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when you told me about freedom of expression? And father, do you recall? Like, oh shit! But you know, uh, hey, Driftglass, Axios wants us to know that if it was a political party, you know what the biggest political party would be? You say it. Go ahead, say it. I'm an independent. Independence. Independent. <laughs> okay. Let's we have go to, through. We have to go through this slowly. Yes. Let's go through this one more time. <laughs> for the well this whole email from axios was absolute rebranding of the republican party and the republican voter and 
everybody's actually just an independent. Right. And nobody watches Fox and nobody's nope. influenced by anything in the conservative movement. Nope. And everybody just needs to calm down. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just Beltway rebranding 101. Yeah. We, and we've been through this we've been many through times this. already. Yep. And yep. we've written about this almost to the point of exhaustion. Um, there, there is almost no such thing as a true independent. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. just isn't. No. And um, why would there be? If you're choosing between equal rights for black people and women or no, I don't want equal rights for black people and women. Well, there's no no one standing between those things. Well, you know, sometimes I vote for equal rights and sometimes I don't. It depends yeah. on my mood. Yeah, there's there's just it just isn't. And yeah. and it is this when you listen to as much um, never Trump, no longer Trump. I don't like Trump podcasts as I do. You do hear this this just hallucinogenic mixture of of factual reality and complete delusion which often just cancel each other out. Right, right. Um, you know, there's. I just listened to Joe Walsh uh, interviewing, uh, um, geez, who was it that ran against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky? Amy McGrath. Amy McGrath, yes. And yes. She's, she's a Marine and a fighter pilot and no, up until 2016, I was an independent. And then she's like, <laughs> well, but you know, I, but I kind of leaned way over to the left and I believe in left stuff and I don't care who marries you. And Joe Walsh is like, you know, 50% of the people in this country are independents. They don't believe in left or right. And they and that's why I'm going to try to start a third party because of all these independents out there who feel homeless and left. Like, and yet there is some understanding. There's, there's this weird dialectic going on between we all have to unite to defeat the bad orange man and his crazy ass fucking party. But let's not take sides. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. There is one side devoted to doing right. that. And there's one side right. devoted to not doing that. And you can't say, let's just take off our red and blue jerseys and be Americans. Yes, let's all be Americans in the Democratic Party because that's the only party that is opposing Donald Trump and the Republican Party. And and that they understand that. For a minute, there's this sort of flash of recognition like, oh, yeah, that's right. There aren't 30 parties. This is not a coalition thing. This is a good guys versus bad guys thing. And the bad guys are pretty much all in one party right now. A minute later, it's like, you know, most people are center left, center right, or in the middle. And they just hate all the shouting. Yeah, what's the shouting? The shouting is Nazis on one side, people saying Nazis are bad on the other. And it is, there is no ability for them to stop looping back to this very comfortable position of, but really, underneath it all, we're all really independents and centrists and Americans, except for the extremes on both sides. And I, I just listened to this and go, you're drunk. Mm-hmm. You're all drunk because those two things cannot possibly be true. I know people like to t- say that they're independent, like they, they say that they have an 18-inch dick, but they don't really. <laughs> they really don't. And even though they can hire people to tell them that they have an 18-inch dick and call them a stud, they're really not. And at some point in the, at 3 a.m., in the dark night of the soul, you got to come to the realization, at least for a minute, that, you know what, all this shit I believe is is mostly bullshit, is mostly nonsense. There's there's a tiny number of people in the middle who are persuadable. I have no fucking idea what persuades them because they don't make any sense to me. But pretty much everyone else sorts out along Democrat or Republican lines. They just don't like to talk about it or admit it. And and there were a couple tweets this week from people who are not you, Driftglass. Um, really? One, one called Wandering Glass, at Wandering Glass on Twitter <laughs> said, you, you can hear some of their desperation for a Republican Party that just pretends to be more sane yep. so they can be accepted back into the fold. Democrats yeah. are still too icky for them. And then Airbag Moments, who is a larger account. Yes, I'm familiar um, I confess to listening to the Bulwark podcast because it's interesting to listen to former Republicans try to wake up. The funny thing about it is they often talk around white supremacy without ever saying the phrase. I think that's so important. It's very, very true. And because they never will talk about white supremacy, they are always confused. And um, talking about the devolution of Republicans, but he only talks about Pauls and pundits. Right. not the oligarchs behind it. And then Galahad Anden replied about this Republicans wanting to wake up situation. And he calls them self-aware wolves. 
And I just love that. You know, it's the middle of the night and my party is full of monsters. I just want to wake up in the morning and be a man again. Right. I don't want this. I don't want this to be true. And I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be responsible for anything that happened while the moon was full. Right. right? I want, I want to, I want to grab my shoes and sneak out of this horrible motel room. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Where I bedded down with monsters all night Mm -hmm. and go home and shower up and not have any of it stick to me. Yeah. And, be yeah. and and we call that back in the 2000s, the bush off machine. Right. You know, the right. magic bush off machine where you, you go in one end and you're you're a total bush head and you think George Bush is the greatest man who ever lived and, and Iraq's going to be great and liberals are monsters. And you come out the other side and you never heard of George Bush and you never supported Iraq and liberals are monsters. You, you, and you and in the that. 70s, it went two routes. If you were, if you wanted to... Uh, deny everything and just be happy. You went up with people, right? And if you couldn't deny everything, you went est, right? And screamed about be- yourself being an asshole for you know in the room with full of other people doing the same thing. So, right. and then you learned that the only thing standing between you and your happiness was the these, government. Was the government? <laughs> and you realized Ronald Reagan really is the second coming of Jeebus. Yeah, right. And and that brings us to the present <laughs> to the present day, honestly, or at least a launching pad for the present day. Honestly. Well, and, and I did want to talk about um, something that I noticed on Twitter, not mm-hmm. a Twitter trend or anything, but it was brought to my attention because of graphics. There's a new liberals are evil campfire scare story being told by Laura Ingram this week on Fox News. Mm-hmm. And the chirons for this story are, I mean, no one should be surprised. No one should be shocked. But they are, the first chiron is liberals are sexually grooming elementary school students. Liberals are basically all child molesters mm-hmm. who are conspiring to molest your children, which is one step away from killing and eating them. Second is Democrats are happy to run on a pro-grooming platform. And just sit with that for a second. Mm-hmm. Sit, Think about this prime time, this horrible lying bitch in prime time who spews this shit every fucking night. And hasn't money. been fired, yeah. hasn't been, hasn't, her wrist hasn't been slapped. She hasn't been taken off the air. She doesn't have to go find a lesser prostitution job over well, the and her, She hasn't, she has virtually no advertisers left. No. Because of all she, her white nationalism from a year ago. So, but she, but she still has a job. But she still has a job. She still has a megaphone. She still mm-hmm. has, and, you know, and right before her is Tucker Carlson, right before him is Sean Hannity. They're this lineup of, of bald faced, fascist, racist, liars. Propagandists. Yes. Do this all. So, and it's easy to just sort of shrug this off. Mm-hmm. Like, well, of course, that's Fox News. So today I sat down with my conscience. And I, as I do, I'll go through my archives, look through my stuff. And it's like, how did we get here? How did it come to pass that this is unsurprising for a Fox News host to spread this out among the people? And it goes just unnoticed because, well, that's just her. What was the first mover? What was the thing that caused it to kick off? And as I talk about this, please don't, in the back of your mind, go, what about the Powell memo? And what about the Southern strategy or Goldwater, Reagan, and Philadelphia, Mississippi, and all that other stuff? I know all that stuff. I'm not discounting it. I just don't have 22 hours to do a master's thesis on the history of the GOP. This is a, a one-hour podcast. Well, it's a two-hour podcast. My, my edit's down to a one-hour podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. Bless her heart. <laughs> but, and those were all necessary preconditions. Those were the sort of the comorbidities of the Republican Party. But what was it that really stomped on the gas? What made it the direction of the GOP so clear that no one who professes any insight into politics could possibly pretend that it wasn't happening? And I go back to 1990. Mm -hmm. I go back to 1990. There's a New York Times uh, op-ed about the politics of slash and burn. And it's all about Newt Gingrich and the way he was training the Republican Party. This is 32 years ago. Mm -hmm. This is a full human generation ago. He was training candidates to constantly demonize Democrats in the most despicable language they could think of. The op-ed concludes, it, in a typically aristocratic New York Times way, that the nakedness of the GOPAC offering also makes it useful. There must be limits to the negative politics the voters will bear. The bald appeal to invective will certainly probe the limits. For now, it should be said that some adjectives in the glossary aptly describe the glossary itself, shallow sensationalist, and yes, shameful. Yes, Mm -hmm. shameful. And the New York Times sort of like tosses that off like some, I'm sure someone will come and collect this garbage. Yeah, because (laughs) my pinky is in the air as I drink my afternoon tea and and think about this, right? And you and I are basically hate watching parts of the Gilded Age. 
We are. <laughs> and, and, it, and, the, it, and the bad dialogue, especially oh God. the bad oh dialogue. God. Yeah. Yeah. I know you love the costumes and the sets are great. And every costumes now and then. And sets are great. Christine Baranski fires off a good line, which is, you know, but it's all taken with such disdain. And, and all the men and half the women have should have big, swirly villain mustaches because uh-huh. they have villain dialogue. But there is this sense from that era in the New York Times in the 90s that the disdain of the Astors and the Vanderbilts and the Morgans are still a thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of pressure will be, will be will have weight in the outside world. Surely, Newt Gingrich will be withered by the sight of the Astor family looking disapprovingly at him. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, never fucking happened because right. the establishment at that point was all inside a bubble inside the New York Times, pretending the world was what it demonstrably was not. Mm-hmm. So four years later, you have Susan Smith. Now, you all know the story of Susan Smith. She murdered her children. And Newt Gingrich showed the world exactly how Gingrich speak worked when mm-hmm. he automatically blamed Democrats for her children's death. For one woman killing her own children. He, she, That's he, a he, Democratic problem. Democrats are the ones who are in favor of infanticide. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why you have to vote Republican. And of course, this was just before the midterm election. What happened in 94? Republicans sweep to power. And Newt Gingrich, this bomb-throwing racist monster, is made the Speaker of the House. Now, five years later, after the Columbine shooting, what happens? Newt Gingrich blames American elites. And, and this is an exact quote. I want to say that the elite of this country, the elite news media, the liberal academic elite, the liberal political elite, I accuse you in Littleton, of being afraid to talk about the mess you have made. Mass shootings, all the fault of liberal elites. Wherever they are in the world, it's the fault of Democrats in the United States. And the most important part of this is that there was zero organized opposition to Gingrich politics by his own fucking party. Right. There was zero organized opposition to the filth that Rush Limbaugh was pumping out at exactly the same time. It won the elections. It worked. And, and at this time, Newt Gingrich is uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh's pumping out and his imitators are pumping out filth to hundreds or thousands of radio stations across the country because Ronald Reagan killed, killed the Fairness Doctrine. So there was, in fact, only one kind of organized opposition of any sort in this realm, and that was the media's refusal to recognize that it was actually happening, that the Republican Party was becoming the shithole of bigots and imbeciles that this clearly is right in front of them. And that's how we got to where we are today. And well, and I think you need to – you have pointed out dozens and dozens of times on this mm-hmm. podcast that Newt Gingrich was the freak, most frequent guest yes. on Meet the Press. Yes, uh, 2008, I think. Yeah. Long after he had established himself as a as an ogre, as a monster, yeah. as a lying right. scumbag, uh, David Gregory at the number one political talk show in America, mainstream NBC political talk show, made it his personal mission to constantly rehabilitate Gingrich's career and give him a seat at the table. And, then Gingrich and, and the fact that no one recognized that Newt Gingrich, for all his ability to speak in sound bites and show up, you know, in the car that NBC sent for him mm-hmm. in a suit with his hair done right and yeah. ready for the makeup chair. And that's really that's really why bookers choose people is sure. are you ready on time? You speak in sound bites. Can we get to the commercial on time? Because you've well, spoken. For, for example, directly. Huh? How many other disgraced former House speakers are there on Meet the Press every other week? Zero. <laughs> Zero. It's <laughs> just Gingrich. But, but my point is that no one pointed out that Newt Gingrich, for all of him being, as you've called it, you know, the he took the room temperature yeah. of the Republican Party and realized, God, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. But he had one shtick, which yeah. was a noun, a verb, blame Democrats. Right. That, and he would, but he would always be current. So if there was a shooting... If there was a, a failure of government in some way to protect people from an explosion or a fire anything, or anything. whatever, he'd come on and talk about that current event and tack on Democrats are to blame for this. Right. And then comes Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And that's when it they, they just broke out of the uh, any any constraints they had. Yeah. Because then it became an eight year primal a racist primal scream against right, right. the left. Now, mm-hmm. this week, Bill Barr was being interviewed and he said simultaneously that he believed that Donald Trump is unfit for office and that it's literally inconceivable that he would vote for a Democrat if Donald Trump runs again. Yeah. He believes both of those things. So mm-hmm. how did it come to pass that a, a, a thing, 
a, a creature like Bill Barr could possibly exist who believes, yep, Donald Trump is off his nut, is, is unfit for office, but I'll vote for him if, if it's between him and a Democrat. And that's because for 30 fucking years mm-hmm. and longer, the GOP base has been taught to absolutely believe canonically as an article of faith, two things. Two things are always true. One, that there is not now and can never be any greater existential threat to America than Democrats. The Democrats are fundamentally illegitimate and lefty conspiracies and sabotage are to blame for every problem facing this country. And Newt Gingrich taught them that and Rush Limbaugh taught them that and they believe that and their brains are wired this way now and they'll never be unwired. And second, and this is where it becomes a doomsday machine without an off switch. Second, any media outlet that tells you anything different is lying to you. And they're part of the liberal conspiracy. The liberal conspiracy. That's yes. right. Now, Drift Glass, yeah. you and I try to maintain an optimistic, positive message in terms yeah. of chop wood, carry water. Sure. And the message here isn't just Republicans are a lost cause because they've been brainwashed for 35 years by Newt Gingrich, et cetera, right. 40 years. The message to us for our chop wood, carry water business Mm-hmm. is stop trying to convert Republicans. Right. Forget it. Give it up. Give stop it up. trying to be a centrist. Stop mm-hmm. trying to placate people who are not interested in being placated and will move the goalposts instantly mm-hmm. as soon as you try to compromise with them. Yes. The, the best you can do is get as much of a majority as you can with your own voters and then run as a goddamn Democrat. Be a Democrat. Pass spending bills that reflect democratic values and screw them. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to, no matter what you do, <laughs> no matter how much you compromise. We learned this from the Obama years. We did. We absolutely, the Obama years, we said many, many times, was a perfect eight year lab experiment. And what would happen if we actually created a, a Democratic Party with a Democratic president and presented it to the world that was exactly what centrists say they want? Exactly mm-hmm. what David Brooks would have cooked up in a lab as the perfect third party, party number three, McCain-Lieberman, at, dead down the center. I will give a, you know, a president with no ego at all who will give any credit away, who just wants to compromise to, with anybody to solve our problems. And, and Drifless, you and I had a special midweek episode. Yes, we did. At a time. You know what I'm talking about? I believe I do. The uh, Republican uh, getaway or... Retreat, Retreat. Yep. where uh, Mike Pence invited Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, to come and talk to them. Yes, he did. And never thought he'd show up. Never thought he'd show never up. Thought and he showed up. up. And he, he showed up and he spoke to them. He spoke to John McCain. He spoke to Mike Pence. He spoke to all of the Republicans sitting there as if they were grownups. Right. And they kept they kept doing stupid shit. And yeah. he, he and this was an hour and 20 minutes, something like that. No notes. Yeah, he stood up. And it was it we we were wondering, are we heading toward a parliamentary style government right. where the president comes to Congress and talks to them right. and comes up with ideas and is willing to if we can come up with the numbers, I'll call health care reform, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it the uh, whatever you know, the, the Romney Ryan plan. Bill. We'll call right. it whatever you want. Uh, it's got to meet these three criteria and pay pay for itself in these ways. Right. And, you know, and. <laughs> Mike Pence, Congressman Mike Pence, was mm-hmm. moderating Barack Obama up there on the stage, and I've never he just seen kept him look- wanting to pivot to across the board tax cuts for middle class Americans and small family farms. You've never seen Mike Pence whiter. Yes, than right. When he stood up there, just freaking out. That Why can't I have pres- a tax cut? Right, and and, and Obama just said, Mike. We can talk about that if you want to, but you got to come up with the numbers as right. to where that money's going to come from, what we're going to cut or what we're going to increase to make that pay for itself. But, you know, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about it. But the numbers but, don't your numbers don't match up. And of course, his numbers didn't match up. And, well, it's and, and but now let's talk about health care. What let's get a health care. Who, who would like a health care? And, and Paul Ryan kept spitting out talking points. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, what about uh, selling insurance across uh, state lines? What about yeah. tort reform? <laughs> you know, all, all the shit that's put straight out of the Federalist yeah, Heritage right, Foundation playbook right. of we don't want to actually do anything, but yeah. we want to do some shit that will make our 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 billionaire um, backers happy, right? And, and insurance companies blame happy. trial yeah. lawyers and and sell shit across state lines. And right. Barack Obama says, "Great, 
until you can sell we need it. to sue somebody. Right. Well, until yeah, until <laughs> until we need to take them to court because they screwed right. us, in which case we're right. the most litigious assholes in the world. Right. But Barack Obama's like, great, let's sell insurance across. Actually, they can do that now. Blue mm-hmm. Cross Blue Shield is in like 28 states or 35 states, whatever it is. But you know what? Paul, my good friend, my dear personal close, you know that's not going to get us anywhere near the, the goal we need. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if Paul, tell me how tort reform bends the curve. Tell me how selling across state lines will make it possible for 40 million Americans to afford healthcare yeah. who can't and, afford it and now. And those who've had, who have already hit their lifetime cap right. because they have a baby who was born with a critical disease. Exactly. Right. And that's when Mike Pence would pipe up and say, tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts, tax, tax cuts. Cut. For, for middle class, fa- small family farms. You it know. Was, and it was embarrassing because he actually met them on their ground with he no did. notes all by himself and said, look, I'm here. Work with me. Right. And they told him to go fuck himself. In well, every way they could think. You know who didn't? John McCain didn't, though. No. John McCain was nope. there talking with him. He said, John, let's talk that out. Yep. Let's get that into your committee. Let's get whatever bill that is that you're interested in in your committee. Let's work something out that, well, that I can sign. And, and John McCain was the Adam Kinzinger. Right. You know, it's like, right. the, well, let's not talk about the entire fucking party. Let's talk about this one guy who's not completely insane. Right, right. No, let's talk about the whole party that's going to mm-hmm. stand, you know, in the doorway and prevent this from happening because they don't want it to happen because they want me to fail. They right. don't really give a shit yeah. about Americans living or dying. They want to see this president fail because he's got a D after his name and because he's black. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's that was the test. That was yep. the absolute perfect Absolutely. test. Here's everything you want. Everything you want. You have a guy who's willing to compromise, will come to you and ask your advice and incorporate your suggestions and did incorporate 100 and something amendments into the bill. Into the health care bill that they then all voted against. They all voted against against it. All of it. And railed against it and tried to overturn it in every way possible. And Donald Trump. still are. And today, this week, Rick Scott wants to repeal Obamacare. Yeah, because it's a magic word. Yeah. Obamacare is a magic word. A magic word you can invoke. To make everyone th- – oh, that's right. The evil Just black like Nancy Pelosi. Man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you can't chase these people Don't, across Stop trying to get them to dog. vote for you. Stop. And, and yeah. stop trying – and honestly, stop playing nice with people whose every reaction to every Republican atrocity is, well, you know, both sides. Yeah, well, no. you know both sides. Because Rush Limbaugh would have failed if it were not for David Brooks being on his, on his side going – every time a Republican atrocity is committed – David Brooks says, yeah, but Democrats are pretty bad too. Yeah, right. I mean, Democrats are pretty – the whole thing falls apart if the center doesn't exist. If there is no both sides, if there's no equivalent, then everything falls apart. So there's an, an army of people, well-paid white people in the upper stories of the New York Times and the Washington Post who are paid a lot of money to pretend that both sides are equally bad and will lie to you. And every – this is why I call it the razor in the apple. Every goddamn David Brooks column you will ever read. There's always something in there about how the left is just as bad as the right, nearly as bad as the right. You know, the left has its problems too. And that's the excuse that the quote unquote independents who are really Republicans use to not vote for the good guys, but to vote for the Nazis because they had no choice. They had no choice Mm -hmm. because Democrats are worse than anything anyone ever imagined. Uh, I wanted to just mention uh, something I thought was a really interesting analogy Mm -hmm. uh, between the the current Republican Party and Vladimir Putin. Yes. Um, there's an article in the editorial board, which is a, a blog. I know that this particular article is not behind a paywall. Um, mm-hmm. John Storer at the editorial board is writing about Putin's oligarchs and the fact that the American banking system protects their money over and over and over again. If we don't do banking reform, uh, dark money is going to be there in our political mm-hmm. system and hidden from hidden for bad people. Um, and this was part of Build Back Better that Mansion and Cinema blocked, according to Carolee. Uh, but one of the things this article talks about is the fact that Putin is going into battle with an army that is absolutely hampered by the utter corruption that exists in Russia. Yes. They told Putin they were going to have a great army. They told him they were building this and building that, and they were pocketing the money. And this is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly the same story that Rana Romney McDaniel is going to have to deal with. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me there's not a two thousand mile impenetrable wall at our southern border, Blue Gal? 
I find that hard to believe. I'm, I'm telling you that that the midterm primaries are going to be lit, Drift yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're already pretty and good. And that, that this inevitability train of... You know, Republicans are going to have a uh, are going to wipe us out in the midterms, and this uh, it always happens that way, and it's definitely going to happen. It's, it's just history. not true. You can't fight history. You history can't fight is inevitable. History, history is right. inevitable. It's right. just not true. Uh, and and Ronna Romney McDaniel's candidates are in for a huge shock when they found out how much money Donald Trump has siphoned what off of the Republican and still is. His uh, th- he was in an airplane this weekend where one of the engines failed and forced to make an emergency landing. And this morning, uh, Monday morning, excuse me, he has a fundraising email out to his email list about how he's going to build Trump Force One. And you're going to want to be in on that. So give to my political action committee. Sure, sure. Buy a brick for my airplane. What? <laughs> what? What? There are people stupid enough to contribute to that, though. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it'll be beautiful. Just trust me. Just it's give me your money. It's going to be a beautiful plane. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you'll be a part of it. There'll be a plaque with your name on it. Yeah. I just, I picture like a- airplane, um, instead of that inflatable co-pilot, it's a Trumpy bear. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> just, inflatable Trumpy bear. Wait a minute. Flying at Trump's airplane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just bring that up that the. That analogy struck me as kind of funny that they're going to go into the midterms wondering where the money is to right. run their run their house campaigns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so well, donate to the House candidate of your choice uh, and particularly the Senate candidate of your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and then the other thing, of course, is this Rick Scott putting in writing that he Bless wants tax increases on 90 percent. Sure. And Fox News is behind him. Every Fox host had Rick Scott on to talk about his wonderful plan, yeah, and how it's time to oust Mitch McConnell because he's a he's a rhino, and we really need this wonderful populist plan, as Laura Ingram called it. Oh, you know what it um, reminds you know what you think you call it? Here's a good name: a contract with America. Yeah, contract yeah. on America, mm-hmm. more like mm-hmm. um, this. You know, the skin in the game, and now, of course, Democrats love charts and graphs and <laughs> analyzing this stuff. Uh, the Deep South in particular is going to get hit really hard by Rick Scott's tax plan Yep. because there are a lot of retirees and snowbirds who move to Florida to avoid two things, snow and taxes. And so moving to Florida to avoid state taxes and then all of a sudden the Republican senator from Florida is suggesting that you don't have enough skin in the game. And he's right. using that term over and over again. Mm-hmm. We need we need every taxpayer to have skin in the game, which means that the fact that you can then have uh, a tax refund, no, everyone will have at least a federal income by federal tax purposes of $1, mm-hmm. which means all of your deductions don't count. What? <laughs> what? Martha, come here. Yeah. That yeah. bubble creep is on the TV again. He's talking about some stuff. Yeah, he's coming for your And it's pretty mind. easy for Democratic operatives to put together a chart showing how your taxes will go up under oh, yeah. this plan. Hire those. Hire the Martha and Jim, the people from the Reagan years, was it? Who yeah. Were sitting at the kitchen table. Yeah. I don't know about these uh, these Republican taxes, uh, these uh, Rick Scott taxes. I- when you can link to Rick Scott's tax plan. Yeah. And, and just let them read it. And it is... Everyone needs to have skin in the game and pay it federal income taxes. Now, now remember, um, the firewall against that is I don't Liberals believe are just you. as bad. It's or all I don't... fake news. Yeah. You're lying. Any media outlet that says my taxes are going up is lying. Anybody who attacks Republicans are, is lying. It's all liberal conspiracy and or liberals are worse. Yeah. You know, well, just... liberals are not worse than sunsetting Social Security and Medicare in five years. Liberals want to do worse than that. You know yeah, that. Right. They just right. don't want to. They want to turn your kids gay. Right. They want to take. They, they're grooming your children to, for child to be gay, To be gay and wear rainbows. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what they're doing. They're they're a bunch of child eating child molesters, and you all know it. So I guess well, if you want to I vote think for I've the told child, you the story of the woman who, for her pregnant coworker, made her a rainbow blanket. And she thought that it was so cute because of Noah's Ark and that this was a Bible story. Yeah. And she was giving a rainbow blanket to her coworker for Noah's Ark, you know, the, the animals and how you have a nursery with animal mobiles and sure. all that kind of stuff. Sure. And her coworker threw it back in her face and said, how dare you try to turn my child gay? 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, the dove the dove didn't show up, did it? No, no. no. Oopsie. Honestly. All right. Uh, where are we, Driftglass? Oh, um, just just something that was written a long time ago, and uh-huh. I had never seen it before, but it came across my screen this week. Rebecca Solnit writing on on not meeting Nazis halfway. Yeah, very. And timely. you might yeah. want to go check that out. Um, also, Driftglass. Yes. Um, rants against both siderism have hit TikTok. I know. I was so excited. I got my uh, my Bear Midriff T-shirt out. <laughs> Um, and was filming. I thought I was filming myself. Apparently, I was just holding up uh, a deck of cards. Um, so I don't know where that went. Uh, oh, poor drift glass. I don't know how to do anything. I have no technology <laughs> skills at all. Um, yeah, I was. I heard. I was like, "Damn, man! All right, and finally." I I don't want to. I don't want to be the old guy at the club because nobody wants to be the old guy at the club. But no, right. it's kind of. I'll sit in the corner, sipping a scotch, going, "You, you youngsters. You I go. love it when you bust that." Both sides don't move on the dance floor. I can't right. do that because, yep. you know, my knees. But uh, <laughs> i love to see you do it. And you just go out there and dance your hearts out. Yeah. And they yeah. did. He did. It was very exciting to see. And you want to shout out to uh, an old friend of face-to-face friend. We've had yeah. coffee with her. We've had coffee with her. Um, I had dinner with her and her husband. Um, she is an actual reporter or was an actual reporter. She still is. She now writes for Dame Magazine. She was the proprietress of First Draft Blog. She's an OG blogger, mm-hmm. a, a blogger from back in the day. Uh, she went under the name of, of Athena or Athena Wise, and her name is Allison Hanschel. And she's an, a, an actual shoe leather running around the block, getting the story, writing it down reporter. And she wrote a lovely article in Dame that I have been just forcing everyone. I put it in Mike's blog roundup. I've, I've printed it off and given it to people who, like me, have no technology skills and can't understand the internet. Um, but the, the headline is legacy media's useless mea culpas. And it's, and she takes down Charlie Sykes and Rick Wilson. And she starts off by taking down retiring New York times executive editor, Dennis Baquette. Uh, the, the lead line is does New York times executive editor, Dennis, uh, Dean, uh, Dean Baquette really expect us to believe that he didn't realize white Trump supporters are racist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's apparently a New Yorker interview um, that uh, that Ms. Hanschel, Mrs. Hanschel had to dig way down deep inside, but found the the money quote. And if I'm, if you might indulge me, sure. Um, this is the quote where this is the guy who is who's running the op-ed page. This is the executive guy. This is the guy who hires and fires everyone else. This is the guy to whom David Brooks and Ross do that and and. Uh, uh, Brett, Brett Stevens all report and who can h- theoretically hire and fire them. But now this is a, a, this is a, a view into the corporate culture and the fact that this guy really is either this fucking stupid or just totally oblivious to how the rest of the world lives. Either mm-hmm. way, he's useless as an editor of a, of a major newspaper. Um, this is him now from the interview. I don't think that anybody had their arms wrapped around the mood of the country that allowed for the election of Donald Trump, including us. I don't think people, including the New York Times, quite had a handle on the anger, the amount of racial animosity. I don't think any of us thought that Donald Trump was going to be elected president. Anybody who says they did, I don't buy it. Fuck you. Fuck mm-hmm. you and the horse you rode in on and the horse you're about to ride out on. Here, The interview continues. If I had to do it all over again, oh my God. I would do that very, very, very differently. I mean, we treated Trump seriously. We treated him as an investigative story. But I would have covered the country a lot differently in the months leading up to the election of Donald Trump. And that's where she just sort of stops. Because that's the Mm -hmm. only admission that he got shit wrong you will find in the biography of the executive editor of the New York Times. Mm -hmm. That he had no idea what was going on in the country. And he had – and I'd do it all differently now. This is a guy – as she points out, who spent years telling us that Trump, uh, all Trump supporters were about economic security and populism. Insecure, insecurity, yeah. That's right. They, yeah. They, you know, these are economically insecure people. They're not racist. And it was all a crock of shit. It was all a crock of shit. So I'm not sure I understand what, what Mr. Beckett wants us to believe, that he's really, really stupid or that nobody could have possibly seen this coming. That I, I'm a genius. I'm at the top of my game. I'm, I'm running the New York Times basically for the owners. And 
Nobody could have seen this coming, except, of course, all the liberals who told you that the Republican Party was this bad. People who have actually been paying attention to what's been going on in the New York Times since, I'm sorry, in America, since the New York Times ran an op-ed in 1990 Mm -hmm. explaining exactly what Newt Gingrich was up to and exactly the direction it was taking. And watch Newt Gingrich take over the politics and watch Rush Limbaugh take over the world and watch what was happening to the middle of the country, which the New York Times does not give a shit about. New York Times cares about rich people in urban enclaves and the area of the uh, Sella Corridor. Yep. They care about the opinion of David Brooks, who would come in every day and say, everything's fine. In 2014, David Brooks was saying the Republican Party is doing great. Everything's fine. We're all cleaned up. Nothing to worry about. And I'm sure Dean Beckett was just like, oh, great. That's great. I was a little bit worried there, but we don't have to worry about that. And Oh, it's it going to is- be Rubio, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, and then then she goes down the list of all the people that you've heard me talk about, you know, in <laughs> ad nauseum. Um, that she says she has an entire subfolder uh, that's just poor me moaning from former right-wing talk show hosts like mm-hmm. Charlie Sykes. Mm-hmm. Well-known yep. in the Midwest as Rush Limbaugh without charm. <laughs> Rush, uh, Sykes made his bones turning Wisconsin red by pitting its suburbs and exurbs against its two largest cities. When Trump drove his clown car straight into the economy and the ad dollars for his sto- show started drying up, Sykes put on a more in sorrow than an anger face and told everyone conservatism was over. Mm-hmm. It goes on mm-hmm. like that. It was like, A, is very well written. And B, it's such a relief not to be the guy who has to write this shit all yes, the time. Yes, right. <laughs> somebody else is saying this. How very exciting. Um, I realize there's no market for this. The market for these sorts of think pieces would be places like, I don't know, the New York Times. But or they the don't, New Yorker. Or yes. the New Yorker. Yes. Or, I don't know, Washington Post. But they don't talk about this stuff because this stuff challenges the basic assumption that the Republican Party is not just insane today or yesterday. The Republican Party has been going insane for decades. And anybody who professes any knowledge of politics should have seen it coming. And yeah, if they I didn't, take that back about the New Yorker because the New Yorker is covering a lot of this stuff with is. Jane Mayer and and others. But yeah. um, Drift Glass, did you know that, that Donald Trump is making the rounds on right-wing niche podcasts? I, I heard that. I heard that he... Uh, uh, he's talking to them because they aren't smart enough to be worried about uh, Smartmatic and Dominion lawsuits if he opens his pie hole again. So That's he's right. just showing up. And any question <laughs> apparently asked about anything, his answer is windmills. Windmills are destroying America. <laughs> and birds and killing birds. And whatever. And, and uh, he went on the. Uh, apparently now there is a Rana Ronnie McDaniel oh, yes. podcast. Yes. I saw this. I, saw, I, just, I, just, I just heard her. I just heard her praising him as, as being, being good, so for, good women. for women. Yeah, good for women. Yeah. 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 Um, I think also he's appearing on these niche podcasts because, uh, you know, you talked about how the New York Times has a very limited number of people they care about. Right. Donald Trump cares about people who will write him a check. Yes, he does. Very and deeply. so these, you know, whether it's a wrestling podcast or the Ron and Ron McDaniel Daniel podcast, those audiences specialize in being people who want to do their own research right man (laughs) right man and and we'll listen in because donald trump's on he'll get Mm -hmm. validated and possibly get money and that's really all he's interested in well and and the sight of him in some you know neck beards basement Mm -hmm. mom's basement i should say sitting up against his cheap wood paneling talking about windmills to this kid who just looked real excited because now maybe i'm going to be the next uh I don't well, know. my YouTube views will go up. Yeah. Gonna, this yeah. is going to blow up, man. I'm going to be all over. I got a f- contract coming from Fox News. I just know it. Mm-hmm. And it's some asshole in a basement with a ball cap and a microphone. Now, mind right. you, I'm just some asshole with a beard and a microphone in my in my bedroom. <laughs> but I don't have or expect any president of the United States to be sitting next to me, nor would I blow an opportunity if one of them actually sat down with me, if one of the Worst human beings to ever occupy any political office in America were sitting 10 feet from me. I would ask him more than one dumb question and let him get away with murder. Yeah, and I wouldn't let him let him pivot to windmills. Windmills, man. <laughs> windmills are killing We're us talking all. talking about Ukraine. Yeah. yeah it, uh, it kills cranes, too. It kills all the birds. All the oh, birds. Oh, Ukraine. It killed your crane? Oh, no. Well, I'm sorry about that. Thank you. Got to go. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Got to go. I also find this story fascinating. Tucker Carlson, his asking the questions shtick about I'm I'm critical and 
you know, suspicious of all facts. And so I'm just asking. And he, he does that a lot. Yeah, he does. But he did that with uh, Sidney Powell uh-huh. in 2020. Uh-oh. Um, and his skepticism in December of 2020 about her claims about Smartmatic and Dominion and, you know, all these machines are flipping votes and stealing votes. And he says, you know, I'm skeptical about that. I'd like to see some evidence. Why don't you come on my show and show uh-huh. me the evidence of all of this? Because this uh-huh. would be a bombshell story if if true. It, big if true. And this is just a shtick of his. And he just uh-huh. happened to play it on Sidney Powell. Right. And then she didn't show up on his show although she was scheduled to, and that made him mad. Um, And so he said, you know, since she has no evidence and the Trump campaign has now told me they have no evidence, and then he pitched a fit on his show. Now, this was in December of 2020. And and the story ends right there, right, Blue Gal? No, it doesn't. Oh. Because video is still available of that little snit. Oh. And the judge in the Smartmatic Dominion defamation suit saw it. And said, well, hey, if Tucker Carlson knew that Sidney Powell was full of shit, that means the whole network had to know yeah. that Sidney Powell was full of shit. <laughs> because corporations are people, Drift Glass. Yeah, corporations are one person, <laughs> one giant entity with one brain that does stuff. And- well, and and the corporation determines what is going to be on Tucker Carlson's show. Yes, they do. And if they know that Tucker Carlson has found that this is all bullshit. They had a responsibility to tell their other hosts the same thing as a news outlet. Uh-huh. And uh, this shows actual malice against Smartmatic and Dominion oh. that they didn't and that they kept pushing it as, you know, as Lou Dobbs then after Tucker Carlson had this whole situation, you know, Lou Dobbs comes on and says, irrefutable evidence. Sidney Powell has irrefutable evidence that Smartmatic and Dominion flipped votes. And clearly knowing this wasn't true. I mean, his bosses knew it wasn't true. Whether the muddled mind of Lou Dobbs knew anything is unclear. So, but now, now, I just want to be clear. Malice and premeditation, those are lawyer words, aren't they, Blue Gal? <laughs> well, and what I found out this week, and, and this is why Fox immediately stopped talking about Hillary Clinton um, when she said actual malice. Actual malice is when a organization knows they're lying, knows that they're doing it to defame a famous person. And it's not uh, satire. It's not being done in jest. It's not to make people laugh. You're actually doing it to damage someone's reputation. Right. And that is an exception to that celebrity rule where, you know, celebrities have a very hard time. Public figures have a very hard time suing for defamation. Right. Because if someone's doing a satire of you or impersonating you on Saturday Night Live for laughs, you're a public figure and you just have to take it. That's part of the price of being a public figure. If they do it to defame you on purpose to damage your reputation, and that's a very hard thing to prove. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this was the Jerry Falwell Sr. case where right. A magazine made a joke about him having sex with his mother in an outhouse, right? Mm-hmm. I believe and it was Hustler. Hustler magazine, And it was right? Larry Flint who was dragged in for, and it made Larry it all Flint. the Supreme Court. Yeah, and, it, and this this was a, you know, a case-making landmark case of yeah. you cannot sue somebody for making a joke about you if you're a public figure. That is not defamation. Mm-hmm. Um and so that, and you know, this is what Sarah Palin is trying to prove is actual malice. And she's going to, she had, she lost her case and she's trying to appeal because um, she likes being in New York City and eating in restaurants. In she my does. Opinion. She really um, does. But uh, she, she, because the New York Times immediately corrected the record mm-hmm. and the next day said, we regret the error. Here is the correct way to say the story. She cannot prove that the New York Times had actual malice and was intent on defaming her. Because they fixed it immediately. Um, And newspapers need to be careful about that. Yes, they do. Uh, So Tucker Carlson knowing this and saying it on the air, look, there's no evidence of this, uh, holds the rest of Fox News. Uh, The judge in the federal judge who wrote this said, look, it's Tucker Carlson saying this. And it's his words on his very popular Fox show Uh that are really uh, 
you know, they're they're nailing the coffin for the rest of them. So the, the calls are coming from inside the building. Inside so. the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We watched a, a political ad last night and both of us just hooted. Because Democrats don't know how to do messaging. It's a real Especially tragedy. rural rural voters. Oh, God. We don't know how to talk to anybody. I, the only people I ever talk to are people from Chicago. Um, I don't live in Chicago anymore, but I, I every day I get up at four in the morning and take Amtrak to Chicago just so I can only talk to people in a big city. <laughs> That's <laughs> a, the only people Democrats can talk to. Right. I'm not allowed to talk to anybody else or listen to them or understand them or figure out their motives or anything like that. Um, no, this was a 30-second ad we watched. It is. It yeah. was. Uh, may I describe it? Yes, please do. Uh, it, it is by a guy named J.B. Pritzker, who's the governor of Illinois. Um, it, it's about, it's not about building bridges on time. It's about building a specific bridge. Mm-hmm. It's so good because it's about infrastructure and the Murray-Baker Bridge. And it's called the Murray-Baker Bridge in the ad. And it's, it features a Peoria guy. A guy from Peoria. He's not from His Chicago. His name is Gary. <laughs> Gary. And he's from downstate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's white. He's in the late 50s, early 60s. And he's dressed in, in Carhartt flannel. And he's got a gut on him. And he drives a pickup truck. And he's talking about a real specific bridge that everybody knew was messed up. But J.B. Pritzker actually fixed it on time and on budget. Uh, plus, he throws in a little downstate saltiness about how Chicago always used to get everything. We just got the leftovers down, just the scraps. But JB is working for everybody. And that's the whole commercial. That's a, the whole commercial. It's a, very short. Very short. It's a, it's a not, it's not, a, it's not billions of dollars. It's not, is it a three trillion or four trillion? It's a bridge mm-hmm. in Peoria with a name that this guy drives across. Everybody knows and about. And everybody downstate knows that bridge and, and how messed up it was. Yeah. And that nobody fixed until J.B. Pritzker came along and fixed that thing. You know what he did? He did it on time. did it on budget. And he did it for downstaters because he's working for everybody. And you can trust me because I'm in my pickup truck with a ball cap and my flannels and my car heart. And I look just like you and I sound just like you. And mm-hmm. God damn, what a good commercial. 30 seconds. Yeah. Yep. 30 seconds. It's, it's plain folks, Gary, telling you the truth about a bridge. Yep. And it wasn't my opponent's a lunatic because nope. I don't even acknowledge I have opponents. No, he doesn't even think his <laughs> Twitter feed for his campaign is pointing people to Ukraine, uh, right. you know, relief for refugees. Mm-hmm. He is not running against anybody because He's there's running, no point. Right. I'm running as the governor. The governor. The governor of Illinois. Thing, who fixes right. things. Yes. Right. Makes and government it, work. Yeah. And and it's just and, you know, this is a private sector guy who knows how to not I don't know about it. I don't speak to his business acumen. He knows how to get ads done. He knows yeah. how to do an ad for 30 seconds to target a specific group of people. And there are tons of these floating around down here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and there's a bunch of, you know, half lunatics and half wits and goofballs running in the Republican primaries. I couldn't even name them all. No. But, the, you know, the, the local billionaires are throwing tens of millions of dollars at these people because they don't want a Democrat governor in Illinois. They, they can't stand the idea. But it, it looks almost impossible for anyone to beat this guy because he came into office after a Republican governor had fucked everything up. He had, he changed the sheets that the former Republican governor had shit all over. Yes. He and he has yes. been real low profile Real friendly, real hands-on, and it's like I'm I'm at a car assembly plant, I'm at a tire plant, I'm I'm at the manufacturing high school, I'm wearing a hard hat. I'm it's at the just, state fair. Yeah, yeah, it's basic looking at the stuff. cows. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's the stuff that works at a local level if you have the money to do it, and if you can run on it. And frankly, if your opponents are busy fighting among themselves, yeah. But yeah. you know, well, it's, there's no point in giving any name recognition to a Republican running for yeah. governor of Illinois by mentioning who it is. <laughs> no, but, but what can a Democratic candidate extract from that? It's we get stuff done. Right. We take care Democrats of Democrats deliver. Right. Democrats That's deliver. what it is. Democrats mm-hmm. deliver. Yeah. Anyway, we were delighted that our we were delighted by this commercial. And and I have to say, he's not running this time around. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dick Durbin had commercials like that down here. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. You know. He he's the kind of guy who will help you with his pickup truck. Right. And uh, yeah. And I know his um, wife. So, you know. Well, his, yeah. You just, you do what, what Loretta Durbin tells you to do right. in this town. <laughs> and, you're, and you're good to go. Well, and Loretta Durbin walks around, you know, state uh, city picnics with a bucket 
raising money for local schools. Right. You know, she's putting in the work. Well, so, you know, 7.30 this morning, Loretta Durbin was at a meeting I was at with 15 other people listening mm-hmm. to plans for the local elementary school to try to build out a little green space. By the way, there's infrastructure everywhere here. Yeah. Pretty much every school everywhere. here. Yeah. I can name four schools that all have ongoing construction projects that yep. are big. That are a big deal. Adding so a, rooms and classrooms yep. and elevators and, yeah, making them more accessible, et cetera. Yeah. And this is yeah. a, a, 100, a school that's celebrating its 100th anniversary. And the guys here, and there was an equipment failure. He had to do it on the fly. It was all very small town. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's got a little map of this is the green classroom we want to put outside so kids can go outside and hold classes out there. And we're trying to raise $15,000 for this and ten for that. And she's sitting there along with a lot of other sort of pillars of the community taking notes. But these these are the people in my community who show up at 730 in the morning, yeah. put in the work, volunteer. And they're all – every town has some of them. Yeah. And our one of ours happens to be the the wife of the you know of the U.S. senator of the U.S. Yeah. senator, and, and she, she works really hard. She, she really does. works I, hard. And our, well, our local alderman was there. Not all not our alderman. Our alderman was busy doing her other job, but our alderman uh, Joe was there with his wife, mm-hmm. who's always there with him. You know, this is really someone should come down here and do a case study in local politics, mm-hmm. how local mm-hmm. politics works, because. You know, something somebody's doing something right that these people are all real dedicated to their community and are also have like taps into actual powerful institutions elsewhere. I right. Mean, right. Anyway. And they're not just playing golf all the time. I no. mean, it it really is no, I want we want to help this specific school. We want to help this set subset of at risk kids, et cetera. It's well, and it's, you'll see them out there twice a year, along with me, usually. On a day glow jacket, picking up trash along a major a major mm-hmm. thoroughfare. Yeah. Because we want the place to look nice. Or helping it, park cars at a protest march. Yeah. I mean, or opposing, th- those kind of basic infrastructure type things, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and there's a, a, a stretch of road that needs some um, traffic considerations. And mm-hmm. they're mounting a protest to the idea that they're going to bulldoze a bunch of mature trees to do it. Oh, like, yeah. You know, there's that's a, there's right. a better way to do it. But it's like... It's it's a you know four blocks of a road yeah that you're right. never that you guys are never going to go down but they care about it yeah. and so they're they're trying to come up with a better plan for this area that's their neighborhood that and these are to real, save the trees and yeah. make the traffic easier yeah and there's a, the this is time. the owner yeah. of a sporting goods store and uh, the chef of a of the of the high end restaurant in town mm-hmm. and a state the senator <laughs> the one yes and aldermen and local cops and it's it's like this is a this is. This renews my faith in the ability of people to get shit done mm-hmm. as long as they can see it and touch it and understand what it is they're doing, what they're trying to do, and and, and then work out the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's my little hopeful note for the day. Let's do a news roundup, Dirk Glass. All right. Things are very bad in Ukraine and getting worse. The people of Ukraine are showing amazing resilience and determination. And there's nothing going on for us to say to you that you haven't heard elsewhere already, probably all day, every day, if you're like us. Our prayers are with them. Um, Whatever this country can do. um, uh, Joe Biden has done an amazing job of rallying the allies Mm -hmm. and of focusing the world and of isolating the bad guy and making it clear, very clear, stark, black and white, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And I have a lot of faith in the ability of the civilized world to come together to stop this. But I Mm -hmm. also am very realistic about how vicious a person Vladimir Putin is and how he doesn't listen to anyone. Yeah. And he does yeah. not, he, he's already, his country already lost in Afghanistan and he is not going to turn tail and walk out of there with nothing because that would be the end of him. So yeah. this is going to get worse before it gets better, but I hope and pray that it does get better. The Idaho state house just passed HB 675 by a vote of 55 to 13. It would make providing gender affirming care to trans teens a felony with a life sentence. Even worse, it makes leaving the state with your trans teen to move elsewhere and provide them with a care also a felony. So it's yeah. a travel ban. Yeah. And this is you were telling me today, this is uh this is a tactic that Republicans are using in states like Florida. Um, in Missouri, they're in doing Missouri, about abortion. They're yeah, talking you about, can't you know, leave the state to have an abortion. That's a yeah. felony. Yeah. Yes, papers, please, laws internal yeah. of the U.S. Thanks to the Republican Party, the party of small government. Um, now, did you know 
that because of the historically strong economic growth and policy choices of the Biden administration, the deficit last year actually fell by $360 billion. And Hmm. it might even be more surprising that we're on track to see the federal deficit fall by more than $1 trillion this year, which would make it the uh, largest nominal decrease in the deficit ever. And just as an aside, the House passed a spending bill last night, which, praise the Lord, mm-hmm. provides $675 billion for the IRS to go after big ticket tax cheats. Mm-hmm. Which is what? Which is going to reduce the deficit even further. Which is what a whole bunch of people didn't want to have in there. Uh-huh. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler was falsely detained at a Bank of America location in January after a teller mistook him for a bank robber. It never should have happened, said a spokesperson for Bank of America. It was a really weird situation. Yep. Well, you know, black man in a bank with a well, mask. And, and the teller was money. black also, and yep. he was handing her a note, which apparently at the top said, please keep this confidential. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean. I, I don't want everyone to know Ryan Coogler is standing here. Right, right. Because people but, will throw their screenplays at me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Britain is running out of clockmakers. If you need a mechanical clock repaired in Britain, time is running out. The country is running out of horologists, with few entering the highly skilled trade and those remaining in it not getting any younger. There are now only two training colleges offering horology courses in England, West Dean College, Sussex, and the School of Jewelry, Birmingham. The HCA said that there are only about 250 makers and restorers left in Britain with more specialists retiring than entering the profession. The gentleman who was interviewed named Mr. Sampson added, I will keep going for another 10 years unless I lose a skill such as my eyesight. The craft is certainly endangered. We are all near retirement. This sounds like like succession planning sounds like an issue. Well, if you are, you know, a, a, uh, uh, steampunk kind of, you know, craft artisanal sort of person in your thirties. This is a field to go into, isn't it? Yeah. Watch yeah. making a watch repair. I mean, you know, it is, it, you know, digital is not everything. There, There's no. a beauty in clockwork and there's a, a lot of precision work that is going to go to its grave without enough, if not enough people are out there to repair it and keep it running. Right. Which is well, a lot like democracy. Uh-huh. What we need are people yep. to constantly it keep really the clockwork is. of democracy repaired and oiled and in good shape. And Glad it's not you something. included that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's keeping democracy alive is not a profession that you age out of. No, it's it's not. It's, it's something you give up because you give up. And yeah. we shouldn't we're do not that. Giving we must up. Do that. No. We're not giving up. Nope. No, we're not. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Raven. Raven is a black cat who likes a sunny sunspot. <gasps> I know cats like that. Yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's a solar collector. Let's face yes. it. Of course, Raven eats freshly poured cat food our fake sponsor, whether you serve pet store perfection or dollar store direct, your cats will sit on the kitchen floor and demand that the food they eat is only freshly poured. Freshly poured, freshly poured. Oh my Lord, it's freshly poured. But wait, there's more, Drift Glass. We have <gasps> some new fake sponsors. We do. Following the runaway success of Wordle, Freshly Poured Cat Products is pleased to announce the launch of their own branded online game, Cattle. Can you solve the riddle of your cat's mood in less than six guesses? It's fun for the whole family, Drift Glass. And after playing Cattle for a few weeks and losing every single time, maybe it's time for you to switch to our new brand of cat litter called Witty Litter. In another in the fine freshly poured products, Witty Litter slightly changes color. Depending on your cat's state of mind. Don't know if your cat is feeling bored, jaded, underappreciative, vindictive, murderous. Never be in doubt again with a witty litter. Now, I Our had attorneys planned... have asked to say that there is no guarantee that witty litter will predict if your cat is going to murder you. No. The lawyers are very clear about this. They, uh, <laughs> they, they want you to know that witty litter doesn't actually exist. And if it did... <laughs> It couldn't protect you against cat murder. No, it can't. Uh, and I don't think the um, the color of the litter after your cat pees in it is really going to be indicative of anything. Well, you have to examine it very closely. 
You got to get right down there and look real close under a very intense light. I just want a picture of that. That's all. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Look, you can visit Raven at our Facebook page or website. Raven is a beautiful kitty. Yes. And you can send your internet kitty dog or other pet to us at our email address, proliftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Big hugs. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions. Letter on the air unless you say otherwise. And we are so grateful for the passage of the bipartisan USPS reform bill. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that is just great. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. This is not charity. This is our job, and we love doing this job. We didn't mention that Sidney Powell has like a $17 million war chest that she got from her Stop the Steal BS. No. And she's using that to uh, fund the defense for the Proud Boys. So... um I just I'm just going to throw that out there that there is apparently unlimited money for comforting lies being told to conservatives. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. There's there's always money in the banana yeah. shack for that. For that, yeah. Approximately one percent of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution. You can too. See our website proleftpod.com for details. We've got PayPal, postal address information. All of it is there at proleftpod.com. Please share our show on social media. And if you love this episode of our podcast, please send us five bucks. We'd appreciate it. And thank you for doing that. Hey, Driftglass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties will not buy Bill Barr's book. They're just going to listen to the bullshit four-page summary. Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2022. DGBG Productions Incorporated.